welcome to Fireside Friends. This is episode 7. I'm Ryan Prasad and with me is my co-host Alan Ibrahim. Howdy, hi, hello. It's me, the anime pizza man. I'm building, uh, I'm building on last week's, or last episode's. Uh, well, Katie is not here to build on last week's weird jokes. Uh, she is going through the not at all stressful or taxing process of moving to another location uh so she could not make the hike to the forest this week this episode i should say um but our hearts are with her our thoughts are with her as she moves to another location so this hopefully... can i i'm sorry to jump the gun on my introduction but can i just make sure this isn't a euphemism for her death no <laughs> she isn't I'm moving tr- to another location Look, I was trying really hard not to make it sound like she died. Instead, but she did I the exact opposite of that. Failed that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hello. Anyway, because Katie is not here this episode, we have a third chair uh, to fill, and joining us is our friend Jackson Tyler from the internet. Hi, Jackson. Hello. Hi. Uh, yeah, Katie is no longer with us, and I'm not replacing her. <laughs> Uh, but I hope that we can uh, appreciate what I uh, bring in my in my own self. You have done a lot more of these so-called podcasts than we have. So cool. So, <laughs> yep. And I fully expect uh, you to school us on everything that we have been doing wrong this whole time. Nah, you're fine. You're talking into microphones, and you've actually kind of got it. It's not too complex. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you want to talk about what you do for the folks who may not know who you are? Uh, sure. Um, I am a podcaster, writer, internet person who's kind of in a bit of a transitional uh, stage at the moment. Uh, I've been doing abnormal mapping for the last few uh, couple of years. I've been doing trash break ratio and I uh, goof zones another podcast about mental health that I do. Uh, abnormal mapping is about video games and trash break ratio about movies. Uh, and I'm now trying to just do uh, more uh, writing in general and move away from uh, the online culture and the discourse and try to take back some of my own personal space and write a book. Uh, so it's a, it's a journey. It's a fun time. I'm always trying to feel a little better every day. Also, I play bad video. I play video games badly in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. It's kind of a short notice, but I really appreciate it. Just going to pull pull back the curtain. By short notice, uh, what Ryan means is about three hours ago, I got a (laughs) Skype message going, hey, hey. Hey, watch this movie real quick and talk about it with us, please. It's a real short movie. It's really short. And also it's one of the best movies ever. Yeah. uh, Well, yeah, we'll we'll get get to that. that. but first, we're going to go around and talk about what people have been up to. Alan, why don't you go first? Uh, <laughs> I always, every time, I have this incredible magic ability to forget that I'm on a podcast because of how lax this is. <laughs> uh, but I brought talking points. I brought notes. Uh, I hope you did, because that's kind of the thing. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. We have, a, we have a Google Doc, but... I like to use I I I'm I'm all about the physical, you know. I like to get I like to keep things physical. I really um, think the best parts of notes is the noise they make when you wave them in front of the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my notes. Uh, that's how I read books, you know. Just make as much noise as I can. 
Uh, yeah, so I played a couple games uh, this since the last time we spoke. Um, the main one I wanted to talk about real briefly um, is actually Overwatch, Blizzard's new first-person multiplayer shooter game. Very out of character. Oh, Battleborn? For me. Is that Battleborn? No, it's actually Paragon. We're not doing this. I'm 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 stopping this. What is? <laughs> how do you like Overwatch? <laughs> uh, so I have been playing the open beta, and I keep coming back to it because it kind of. I'm not the type of person that plays a lot of first-person shooters in general, especially those of the multiplayer competitive variety. But mm-hmm. the thing that keeps bringing me back to Overwatch is just the sense of freedom of movement that it provides. Like, so it's a it's a class-based multiplayer shooter, and all of the different characters, like character classes rather, are very unique and and move around in different ways. You know, you have one that is all about dashing, and one that is about vertical movement, and uh, forward pushing the like battlefront, if you will, but the the that's thing, a different game. Yeah, that's a completely different competitive first person garbage game. Um, <laughs> it's I'm it, not gonna defend it. No, you don't so. have to. It it's it does well by itself. But Overwatch is interesting because I just every character that I try to play with, I'm like, this is the I'm gonna get good at this because that's how I play most class-based video games is i find a niche and i stick to it and i get comfortable but overwatch encourages you to constantly go out of your comfort zone and play against your type so if you're on a team full of people that are using offensive characters you maybe pick up a tank character that you've never used before and you turn it turns out oh using a shield isn't that much different from using twin pistols you're just kind of wielding them differently uh and it's i love that it has that blizzard game design touch of like there is no way to play that feels like you are doing something inferior or you're playing wrong because you could even have a whole team of all the same classes and you would lose but you could totally <laughs> like do fine with each other and it's not so- somehow less fun than any other way uh but i just i don't know if i'm gonna stick with it because i like i don't have a team to play with and i'm not really a fan of playing this kind of thing on a controller i'm more of like a mouse and keyboard kind of person and so I, I, don't, I can't, you know, run it on a computer. And it's just, you know, I have most of the people that I know that play these kinds of games are over there. And so I don't know if I'm going to stick with it. But for now, it's this kind of game that's constantly encouraging me to try getting out of what I think is like how I play these games um, and constantly making me rethink like what I like about them. Mm-hmm. Have you, the two of you play, you, have you all ever had like a first person shooter multiplayer phase? Because I feel like we all sort of did at one point. Uh, um, I've played right. a lot of Halo Three. I played a lot of Quake Three in school because it was installed on the on the like T drive. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, you install Quake on the T drive and you played Quake in the lessons. It's what everyone does. Uh, this happened in this wasn't just in my school. Multiple schools got into Quake Three because someone put Quake Three on, oh, the, wow. on their drive uh, around my town. Uh, and I played a lot of Modern Warfare Three with some buddies. Uh, I hate all of them. Uh, I <laughs> not because I think that they're they're bad. I have a lot of uh, good memories mixed up in mm-hmm. uh, some of those games, but I specifically, as a person, I, those games mentally do not go well with me. The back and forth, round base, mm. intense, like oh shit, I died. Like I don't. Uh, when I play those kinds of competitive games, I don't get anything from uh, winning that isn't a relief that I didn't lose. And when I lose, I feel awful. So they're in a mental cycle. Uh, that isn't isn't healthy, but those games could totally be enjoyable, and I, and I, I see that the one that's the closest to this that I really love is Splatoon, uh, 
which is not a first-person shooter, but it is a shooter, and it fixes all those problems and is just a delightful fun time. I, I still need to play Splatoon, but I, I need a Wii U, so mm-hmm. one day I'll play Splatoon. Yeah, I have Wii U. Uh, I, I guess I, I wouldn't maybe... I would have never been, like, a huge first-person shooter person. Uh, I... Like, it's the typical, like, I go to my friend's house and play Halo or Call of Duty sometimes. But other than that, like, it's mostly just the Star Wars Battlefront games, to be honest, are the, like, shooter stuff that I play the most. And more recently, Destiny. Uh, But other than that, like, not a huge first-person shooter. I'll, I'll play one, but it's not something that, like, resonates deep within me, I suppose. Part of the reason that Overwatch hits a certain part of, like, the endorphins in my brain that I really like is it does the same thing that Quake 3 did when I was, let's say, 13 or so, uh, which is that it is an entirely self-contained universe. So because I focus more on the exploring of the space and the thinking and being pensive while playing these games as opposed to winning because I don't care about, like, being a good team player, uh, it leads to me making, like kind of like putting the pieces together of what the backstory is of all these characters like oh why is the cool japanese man with the swords fighting the british lady with the twin pistols with the bad british accent like i and the environments in this game are beautiful because it has a big focus on not only this like forcing you to go out of your comfort zone with your classes but also multicultural uh people and, and locations like every map is in a real world country somewhere in the world and kind of brings all these different places together in a similar way that quake 3 always felt like this mysterious like alien creepy distorted landscape full of eyeball aliens and something called the strog and all of this weird stuff like it's pulling from that same language but it manages to feel fairly unique and uh fresh for someone who hasn't gotten into any of one of these types of games since like quake 3 or modern warfare i guess mm-hmm. yeah sounds cool it is. You should. You should not give it a shot. If if you like Jackson and like me, often uh, get anxious when it comes to competitive games. So, um, mm-hmm. but it's good to find your niche. Uh, is that everything for you, Alan? Is there anything else you want to talk about? Not particularly. I put another thing on the list, but I don't really have. Much I want to know what it is. I want to know what it is. <laughs> Ryan, what was the other thing on the list? Because I don't have it pulled up at the moment. You don't have the Google Doc pulled up. It was Lego Marvel Superheroes with three question marks after it. Why did it have three question marks after it? The Riddler is um, not in that game. Oh, you're right. He's not. Okay, <laughs> then. Uh, yeah, just real briefly, um, I finished Lego Marvel Superheroes uh, recently because I got it on sale, and that's just such a perfect relaxation game for me. We talk often in this show about games that are good for relaxing and, and kind of disconnecting from the rest of the world, and... Uh, the Lego series in general is very like low energy, low energy, low difficulty, low skill barrier. Um, essentially, the stuff just like boils down to Simon says, like looking for the visual symbol of what you need to do and then doing it. And I love that. And Lego Marvel superheroes in particular features a lot of my favorite comic book characters doing funny things in a nice open world that's very friendly and open and is full of little mini tasks for you to complete. And I'm way, way into being told to complete a task and then getting something for it. Like, I am essentially just a human rat in a cage. Well, like boy, let just... me tell you about video games, because we got that <laughs> shit on lock. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It is kind of video games condensed to their purest form, 
in that way um and just giving you a big old sandbox to say hey here's some stuff to do go do it and we'll give you stuff for it which Uh, is yeah that's all games yeah i think there's definitely something to be said for um the uh tinderbox style of game as a relaxation device uh and one that is often abused in something like destiny in which there are a million things to do and it just becomes a chore uh yeah or and and is a way in which uh you know uh, you're encouraged to put money in to uh, skip these frustrating processes but there are other games which deliberately uh frame it as some a task to do that is a way of taking your mind off things and that are position themselves in a relaxing manner and lego is one of those and i also think that um rpgs in general just are that uh like final fantasy 7 was that for me i like that's what grinding is in an rpg is a similar thing um we're not going to go into big talks about (laughs) video games and relaxation uh but i thought it was an interesting point and i wanted to uh agree i guess (laughs) yeah and like what works about that is is with destiny you know you're we talk often the three of us about destiny and whether or not it's a good game it's probably not uh probably super harmful i i just uh i i don't talk about destiny very often your honor (laughs) it's on your mind i know it's i've seen you play it very rarely do i jackson does not care about destiny destiny is a it's just a thing (laughs) <laughs> it exists not the not world. the person the video game no, Des- no destiny the person is wonderful we're not talking we're talking yeah. destiny the game which is not wonderful uh but unlike that where the core loop just ends with and then you get better stuff and the numbers go higher but so what lego marvel just says you can do this you can do all these tasks you're gonna get more characters for it so you can do the tasks in different ways you're not improving you're just accruing more characters like when you buy more lego sets mm-hmm. Ooh, i just realized the metaphor Ooh, it's like capitalism. You oh get more God. stuff so you can buy more stuff. So you can play What do you mean you just realized the metaphor? <laughs> Are all video games capitalism? Yes, no. Please circle your Ryan. <laughs> Let me tell you about a video game called Metal Gear Solid 5. I meant, Ryan, what did you do this month? <laughs> that was me trying to move away. Yep. yep. Well, one, we're bi-weekly, not monthly. Uh, I don't I don't have a lot going on just because finals and stress and all that fun stuff. Hell, uh, yeah. Star Wars happened though. That Star Wars day that happened and games went on sale. Uh, hey, may so the fourth be up... with you. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, thanks. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, you're so welcome. I'll I'll go to church this May fourth. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's a good phrase. I don't know. May the force be with you is a fucking good catch line. I feel like sure. it's been written into the ground, but I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna dunk on May the force be with you. No, May Come the force on. be with you is fine. But the the way that it's been co opted into this like marketing of we have a day where we can sell you Star Wars stuff. Uh, sure, but I am now way more annoyed at people doing uh, like <laughs> oh May the fourth be ever in your favor, uh, like that stuff of as a day to riff on nerd stuff. I don't know. I don't know. That's fair. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, uh, so I bought I into I bought into the Star Wars um, because they put a bunch of games on still on Steam. Uh, so I bought uh, the Nice Steel Republic games, the Lego Star Wars games, and Battlefront Two on PC because they were pretty cheap. And so I played Nice Steel Republic for a couple hours. And the thing that I want to talk about with that game is that all of the names are ridiculous 
and that game also has a random name generator for your character it does do that it's just incredible like i spent a good five minutes just hitting random name and just the most non like the people at bioware knew what they were doing with, with that game um i didn't play much of it um I did really like it as more it's more about like exploring uh this universe and talking to a lot of characters uh which is more than most recent Star Wars games. Uh so I'll probably play it for that. I the combat isn't really something I'm interested in um but I'm very interested in seeing what they did with Star Wars and some of the seeds that, you know, implanted what Mass Effect would be later on. So. I, I remember the first hour of that game quite well, uh, hour or so. And, uh, like, the thing that stuck out to me from it is, like, uh, it is uh, universe uh, eons ago, essentially, but yeah. how it actually is about recontextualizing ideas of what Star Wars is into... Uh, I like just but a twist. So you get into this and it's like the Sith Empire, right? Like, I, am I remembering yeah. wrong? It's the Sith Empire, and you have all those Sith standing around, but they don't have lightsabers, and you and the Force right. isn't as big a deal, and it, and it's taking these concepts and changing what the words mean, which I think is one of the very interesting things you can do when you have a universe made up of bullshit nonsense words. Uh, <sighs> is present a a place where those words mean something different to the people uh, in that space or that time. Uh, that's mm-hmm. one of my favorite forms of world building and i remember kotal doing it well i'm I'm playing it myself next month uh and i'm excited to get there uh, yeah i played the first kotor a long time ago and it holds in up a galaxy mostly... far, far away yes and it, yes yes jackson <laughs> it's um it, it existed in, for me in a galaxy far far away a long long time ago yeah you're right Okay, well let's that just was the, let's that was the yep. <laughs> let's start the whole let's start over. Let's rewind the tape. You could have just like accepted like <laughs> I had to say you, it out you loud. Won. You won. You gave me the like yes, Jackson, and I felt deflated. And then you tripped over yourself so much <laughs> that that I want you handed it back to me. You handed the exchange back to me, and I just feel bad. I'm just <laughs> Alan. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ryan, cut this whole thing out. Just like slice nope. it out. I'm begging no. you. No, and then they hear me asking to cut it out, and you don't cut this out. Uh, I think what you're saying is no. no. <laughs> I've been resurrected as Darth Allen, and I'm now here to be a mean uh, Sith man. That's Alan, not you're tearing canon. me apart. Please give me your uh, what you're gonna say. Kotor One was a game that I really liked in middle and high school because it was a fun space adventure. Kotor Two is the game that you play in college because it's an even more intellectual examination of the themes that were introduced in the first game. Thank you. I'm so sorry for ruining that. Jackson, what have you been up to? Uh, I have not been playing a video game. Uh, Yay! Thank you. Oh, thank God. (laughs) To be fair to myself, I've been watching more movies, but I... I don't necessarily want to talk about any of them. Sorry. Oh, what have you watched? You don't have to talk about it, but what? Have, just what have you watched? Uh, let's see. Let me compile the list in my head. I watched 2001: A Space Odyssey, uh, In Bruges, uh, Nightcrawler, and is there one more? You watched those three movies, and you'd rather talk about Star Wars: The Knights of the Old Republic? Look. <laughs> Those three movies are all like five star. They're fucking pretty good. All timers. Yeah. 
Ryan didn't uh, like 2001: yeah. Space Odyssey that much. That's okay. <laughs> Ryan's young. Wow! I didn't either when I was when I watched it for the first time. It's fine. If it's fine, don't worry about it. I don't. When 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 when? How old were you when you first watched it? Uh, I was a little younger than you. I was uh, just in. Um, I was eighteen. I think it was eighteen. I'm twenty. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> but like, it, it's, it's less to do with age and more to do with when you're getting into film. I feel like sure. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Like. It is a film that is, if you are appreciating it on a narrative level, the end of that movie feels like a betrayal of what the middle yep. was. Uh, yeah. And don't worry, like literally everyone I know watched that movie and thought that the first time. In a few years, I guarantee you, I don't, this, I, this is the most condescending thing, but no, I love that movie so much and I think that it's uh, it's beautiful. Uh, uh-huh. I think you will too one good. day. Yeah. Movies are pretty good. Movies are good. Uh, but hi, I am the replacement for the late katie uh so i watched an anime <laughs> yeah you're feeling cool <laughs> so um, proud of you uh i've been watching um, uh Kuroko's basketball or as it is titled in the theme tune the basketball which Kuroko plays uh <laughs> it comes up every time it's amazing it's my very first sports anime so I've got to discover the joys of sports anime. I've got to discover the fact that it's actually these, uh, like, identical to a Dragon Ball episode in which um, someone has a technique and then someone counters it with another special superpower technique and the rest of the match is them, like, coming up with a way to counter it with a new technique and that's, e- that's everything. That is every episode of every <laughs> sports amazing. episode anime. Uh, I'm into the second season now. The thing I find interesting about it is that... Uh, it attempts to be this grand morality play through, uh, you know, basketball anime, which I I, uh, I feel like a lot of those shows would probably do, is my, my assumption. Um, uh, the main character represents a value of uh, living, uh, which is that uh, they believe in supporting other people, they believe in teamwork, they believe in all these things, uh, and he goes up against the generation of miracles who are the best basketball players in the middle school league. <laughs> Uh, and it is all about this kid who can't shoot but can only pass, beating their individual play with his team play. And it's 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 exhausting for the first season because it doesn't know how to pace itself. But as I've got into the second season, I've I've really, uh, really enjoyed it, and it's made me realize that wrestling has like given me the like it's seeing the matrix of storytelling in a way because I'm like oh I go into a match in so I'm watching the show. The match begins. It is one of these teams versus another one of these teams. And I go, well, they lost the last time, so they can't win twice in a row against them because that, that's not going to, they're not going to have heat in future bookings. But, uh, like, and so I'm, like, thinking about this fucking anime in wrestling terms, which makes sense because wrestling is itself a sports anime. Uh, mm-hmm. So <laughs> my takeaway that I would give to the audience is that uh, wrestling is the, like, most simple, pure form of uh, this kind of storytelling and the way it is enjoyed by fans as uh, like that is examined and part of the fun like there is no uh when you watch a movie it's about oh i'm shocked i'm reacting whereas when you're watching wrestling you're like actively considering storytelling and that is done by millions of fans without even realizing it but that's what they're doing they're studying the mechanics of storytelling and that has mm-hmm. impacted my ability to well not impact not like it's made it worse but it has influenced my the way i see uh mm-hmm stories especially when they're based around sport because it's the same framework and that's what i wanted to say about that i also saw captain america civil war but i don't think anyone wants me to talk about that 
Is that also that's probably also an anime, right? No. Okay. Oh. Anime's good. It's fair. No, it's oh. <laughs> No, it, it's totally an anime. It's it's uh just people it's it's anime in the way that it's all about these boys who are clearly in love but will never actually kiss. It's the most <laughs> queer baby movie I've seen all year. Uh, uh yeah. you'll have I I'm not talking about Civil War. Okay. You don't fair. have to. I was going to say about that sports anime that um the only other two sports animes that I've seen bits of, I watched a little bit of Free, which is also like a bunch of boys that really just want to fuck like real that's badly. That's the peak of that one, right? That's the the swimming boys. Correct. That's mm-hmm. the sw- yes. it's called. That's the name in America is actually swimming boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was a young lad, I watched Prince of Tennis quite a bit on Toonami because that is now <sighs> no joke. That's like how I think tennis is played, where you hit the racket to the ball and it spins for like five seconds and then goes forward with fire. Like that's real tennis. Um, it's, uh, so as someone I... who played a lot of tennis as a kid, I'm afraid it's not how tennis works. It's probably yeah, close enough. Yeah, it just sounds like Mario Tennis. <laughs> yeah, I think Mario Tennis pulled from Prince of Tennis if we're really trying to get to the brass tacks. Um, but... Okay, is there is there a Prince of Tennis in the show for real? I Yeah, I believe so. I think the main person okay. is the titular prince of the sport called tennis. Um, okay. But the other thing I was going to say... Is, is there a castle... Ryan, does, there's does a school. A they all, they all, it's a bunch They're of all in school. school. They're all children, <laughs> Ryan, because it's an anime. <laughs> okay. What I was going to say is that I, I like that you compared it to wrestling because really when you get down to things, like all media is coming from a similar base of stuff that it's pulling from. And like wrestling is the same as anime, which is the same as cinema, which is very similar to video games, sometimes to both genres it's, or both forms of I mean, uh, it's, detriment. It's less about form and more about the ways in which audiences engage with storytelling. So right. I guess I'll give a more specific example. Uh, like, So you watch a wrestling match, and a wrestling match will begin, uh, and usually someone will... Uh, like, Someone might do a really, really strong punch on a dude that's like clearly uh, taking advantage of some... like you know shitty move like they'll they'll fake something or uh, like break one of the rules and then you know that guy's bad what just happened was unfair i am rooting for this other dude and so uh when you watch wrestling and when the narratives around that are spoken about by fans like they are essentially considering the mechanics of storytelling and going uh, i don't like this guy because they did this and they didn't fulfill their role in the narrative because um i can't believe them due to this they having lost this match so i can't take them seriously uh i think it's like if i was teaching a fiction writing class uh 101 i would just i would like use wrestling as a model uh to uh show how like it it lays bare how we engage with stories in the way that uh i feel like movies don't so much uh especially western movies the reason anime does it more is that anime is uh written uh, like I, and it's the same of uh, Japanese games like Metal Gear and JRPGs. Uh, there is a f- greater focus on writing of the motivations of the characters, even at the expense of a clunky script. Uh, like characters will just monologue, "I am doing this because this, and G- this is my goal," which doesn't really happen in Western media. Uh, sometimes to its detriment because the focus on a more naturalistic dialogue will uh, end up making the themes and the characters less clear. Uh, but I'm rambling. But that's what I. That's what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, it's all the same at the end of the day. But some of it has cute boys that want to kiss, and some of it has cute boys that don't think they want to kiss, but they all do at the end of the day. Like that's really that's the differentiation. I just want Civil War to go full like the boys should kiss. If if, if we're gonna say anything about the Marvel movies and put that behind us, and also 
uh, Western media should embrace that stuff from anime, anime, and be comfortable with its like no, characters no. being able to. to... Oh, go ahead. What's up? Anime is not comfortable with it. The boys never kiss an anime. I know, but they're so cute. Did anime we talk about the, how anime is like the peak of queer baiting media? Like that's. I feel like we're not really equipped to have this discussion. I would want to uh, do more research about it, but I don't want to mm. have. I don't want to say whether the West or whether Japan is better at uh, appealing to uh, a queer audience in its uh, mainstream media, because I think that's a discussion that I can't have as a dude in Britain uh, without a lot more research. Uh, I, I, I don't think we're really equipped to go into that discussion. I didn't, don't think it's best framed as a either or, because I, don't, I, just, I just don't think that's a good way to approach that discussion. But let's, all over the world, there is... Uh, queer representation has a lot uh, a lot of issues especially in mainstream media that's yeah just true fair enough mm-hmm. is there anything else before we take a break mm, I, I saw eye in the sky that's awful <laughs> is that an anime no it's a movie starring uh, uh helen mirren it's the drone the drone movie Oh, the drone movie. The drone the movie. The one drone movie. Yeah, it's to so rule good. them all. It, it, like, it has ambitions of being this Doctor Strangelove-esque kind of farce as it's all about decisions being sent up the chain and no one wanting to act in this action. Uh, but the way it presents its morality is in a manner that doesn't actually argue anything. It just goes, oh, you decide. Like, it... it, it it shows, oh, this this uh, child died. Oh. This child died, but then maybe they predicted this. Like we don't know what the right answer is. Why don't you go uh, after this movie to a coffee shop and de- debate the ethics of oh. child murder? Like, no, fuck off. Barney. If you can't make a movie and make and like be confident enough to say drones are bad, then fuck you. Yeah, that's. I. It's hard. It's so hard to watch something that doesn't have a clear message or wants the audience to decide um i guess to go back to nightcrawler um that movie is very clear about its message yeah um and i look at fucking forum posts which you don't do don't do that and someone like wrote about its politics and people were like you're just you're just looking too much into it. I'm like, what are you talking? That move that you are misunderstanding what this movie is. If you think that uh, the fact that it's making a political statement about journalism and violence, uh, if you're <laughs> if you're if you're look, telling someone that they're not that they're taking it too seriously, like that's so absurd to me. With Nightcrawler specifically. Um... I think like that reaction of that movie is interesting because th- th- it's so invisible. A lot of its arguments, like it's clearly a repulsive movie, and it's it's showing some horrible things and going capitalism is bad at the top of its lungs. Uh, but the ideological things that uh, oh, shit. What's his name? Jake Gyllenhaal. What's his name? What's his character? Oh, uh, um, the Nightcrawler takes in Kurt Wagner. <laughs> Kurt Wagner. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, uh, are the ideological messages that young people are fed all the time. He is essentially... Lou a- Blue. Lou! Fuck, how did I forget Lou? Right, yeah. I know, it's ridiculous. He is positioned as a perfect person. Uh, I love how that movie 
uses him not as like this is a monster what is a monster like but more says this is the person that the, the systems of thought that our culture relies upon right. is going to create yeah. uh this person is perfect uh by the definitions right. yeah. of our society uh so when that message is aligned with uh, a cultural message it's so easy for someone to watch that movie and not get it even though it seems so obvious to us uh who have more awareness of things uh, so i wouldn't say mm-hmm. that's entirely just foreign people being stupid and um, maybe i guess people being unself-aware and not educating themselves about the world could be seen as that but i think it's a more interesting well, issue. i mean when i from what i took from a lot of stuff that people were saying it it just because there's this huge trend now of like house of cards and dexter of like these anti-heroes um but you make a really good point is that this more so than those shows nightcrawler positions lou bloom as you know the perfect person and i don't really need to repeat what you just said but uh that's kind of the difference between nightcrawler and those that stuff but i also feel like the way that the nightcrawler is perceived is just like oh isn't it fun to watch bad people do terrible things without really examining what the movie is actually saying i guess that's more about fandom than the actual movie though Mm -hmm. well yeah there's a whole genre of like cdla movies and Mm -hmm. uh like it's 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 easy to miss the uh societal themes when you're not aware of uh, like thinking when you're not thinking about society systemically yourself right yeah, it's. I would recommend that everyone go watch Nightcrawler. It's a great movie. I like it. It's a really lot. good. Yeah. I feel shitty for not choosing to watch that film because it wasn't about my favorite X Men character. Like that. <laughs> I'm only half it's, joking. It's weird that it wasn't about Mystique, but I don't know why. No, <laughs> no I'm sorry. No, it's not about. It's not about Cannonball, and I can accept that. <laughs> he's dying yeah. vulnerable. Well, we get awesome. we get our first angry email. Cannonball was in the New Mutants. Thank you. Please correct yourself in the podcast. <laughs> so I'm I'm jumping ahead of that correction and I'm saying it right now. I know, uh, but yeah, Nightcrawler. I I do want to watch it. I love that kind of like cinematic depictions of journalism and and how uh, like the messages that they try to convey. I think that stuff is very important in the like film landscape. So yeah, as a journalism major. That movie seemed especially designed to piss me off. Right. Uh, but it's it's very good, and Joan Hall is fantastic in it. And it's on Netflix, so you should watch that. Um, Is that it before we head to a break? I think that was a good talk. We got a lot done. We had some interesting conversations. And most of all, we're friends. I didn't. I can't land it. I'm sorry. Roll the music.
And we're back, and we're here to talk about Attack the Block, the 2011 film written and directed by Joe Cornish. Uh, this might be one of the few times where I saw the movie before Alan did. I feel like that's accurate. Is it? Is it? Is that not accurate, Alan? I think so, because we usually try to pick movies that at least one of us has never seen before, and it, mm-hmm. I have just seen more movies than you have. So it was like, oh, I guess this is something that's been on my radar for so long that I just never got a chance to watch it. And yeah, you mentioned that you had seen it and were a big fan, so it seemed like a good pick. Yeah, Jackson's seen it too. Yes. Um, I like this movie a whole lot. I'm uh, curious, Alan, what you think of this movie. I was really surprised by this movie in in that it did not. So it, you know, Joe Cornish wrote and directed it. And I know that he has a lot of connections to the sort of like Edgar Wright camp of filmmaking in that a lot of his work is very like referential and reverential to like other genres of the past. But um, I feel like Attack the Block carves its own niche into that style by being very much just like an adventure that is about kids fighting aliens, but just like one layer beneath that, it is also very clearly about class and race and culture in the United Kingdom and just all of this like very clear and like level-headed criticism of of the way that we judge people before getting to know them. And I feel like it's really like easily digestible, fun, very funny, very well-written, amazingly acted, like overall just a well-put-together film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like there is easily a read on this movie where, because a lot of it, I feel like it hinges on how much you like the kids, right? Right. Um, and I, like I feel like this movie could be really easily like divisive, uh, because if you are if you are not if you don't buy into the evolution of the characters, especially Moses, uh, throughout the entire film, then attack the block will fall flat but for me um to, i watched it the first time be, and i felt to be fair yeah that's true of every movie that's true of every book <laughs> if you don't um, buy into the like right. you have to you have to invest that's in true. it as well uh, like sure like yeah i feel like i'm gonna cut through what you're saying and if you're super fucking racist you're not gonna like this movie i'm yeah. sorry basically like, that's gonna, basically what i'm saying yeah that's like actually a really good if point you're, if you're super racist it's just it's just the way it is yeah um yeah, when I watched it the first time, the humor didn't hit as hard, which is why I'm glad I watched it the second time, because there's so many good bits in this film. Um, Jackson, do you have a general idea of... Do you have... Anyway, Jackson, what do you think of this movie? <laughs> I, I want to know what that question was going to be. I was just going to phrase it weirder. Oh, okay. Do you have a general idea of how you feel about this movie? <laughs> Do you know how you feel about this movie? Good, that's, yes. I, I, All right, good, good hosting you know. skills. Tell that's... me your feelings on this movie. <laughs> this was really good hosting skills on changing that around to the other other take, in my opinion. <laughs> good job. Uh, yeah, I, I love it. I think it's um, pretty much a masterpiece. Uh, uh, purely on a technical level, it is one of the best scripts in terms of economy mm-hmm. and pacing and like setups and payoffs uh that i have you know that i could have seen in the movie like the way the start of uh this movie ends up setting up everything later is uh excellent like it just does the diehard thing um and uh to compare it to the edgar wright stuff 
Uh, I think it's be- it completely outstrips any of the uh, Edgar Wright's work, in my opinion. Uh, I, I like a lot of Edgar Wright's work quite a bit, but this is definitely a cut above them because uh, the most that uh, Edgar Wright gets to dealing with societal issues is generally like the malaise of post uh, college uh young adults in mm-hmm. suburbia yeah. london like like that's what spaced is uh not suburbia but like like just kind of drifting and that's what Shaun of the dead is uh and hot fuzz is just pure par- pure parody and it has some interesting stuff about rural uh england but and then i hate the world's end entirely uh Ooh. but I, I do i'm not getting into that now but i do um whereas this is so much more specific about what it is about the place it is because i live about 20 25 minutes away from the place that uh, this is set it's not a real block i don't think but uh it starts at oval station she walks down towards uh, like away from the city towards brixton uh so it's that kind of area and i i i've been there i know what that is like and everything feels so honest to people i know like i the the dude who is um buying the weed brewis is like I I went to college with six of those dudes and they're all the worst people you've ever met, <laughs> and like I've, I, I'm sure I saw James getting high before a music lesson listening to the, the sound of the police once. Like I know that happened. Um, uh, and, Do you know a hi hat? Uh, oh no, no, I, I don't know hi hats. <laughs> okay, uh, but Rillis in particular I know- is a character that I felt like was pulled from. Like this character is a real person. Like everyone else feels like very realistic, but the thing is, I don't know a lot of teens unfortunately you want, to know, you want to know what real person bruce was want to take a wild guess what exactly what real person bruce was who who, who could it have been I, I think it's pretty obvious it's joe <laughs> it's joe cornish there you go it is, it is joe cornish it is him as in college as like a uh sorry boy I, I don't know if he's from sorry but i know um joe cornish himself is from uh like middle class white uh up- upbringing in, and um like the way like there's a real honestness to the way that uh bris um, is just the worst throughout he's such the worst person who's ever been in a movie it's so good uh but yeah no i i, I love it i think it weaves in its themes themes really well i think it's incredibly well structured uh i think it is brave in uh the way that action movies should be like moses character arc is phenomenal um mm-hmm. the criticism that i know i wasn't really around movie internet at the time but i know it came up is uh you know that oh the kids aren't very likable they're already awful at the start and you're meant to then root for them and like that's obviously uh, we we you know we dealt with that by saying if you're super racist you won't like this movie um right. uh, which is true uh but the fact that it like actually does that and is really honest about that and like doesn't feel the need to present a dishonest portrayal of its place and uh this culture in order to uh, sanitize it right. for a wider audience just makes it so much more yeah. powerful it has one of the best endings ever just the moses in the van with everyone cheering uh encapsulates entirely yeah. a the tragedy that is uh you know just institutional uh, entrenched uh, police uh racism uh and b the uh, importance and power of resisting that like it, it communicates so clearly through this movie that is about an alien invasion in like yep. this one moment that these police are idiots they are wrong and they will 
eventually like fall because they can't like they're they're that incorrect and it exactly uh, and the way it communicates that as like a side theme as like a side theme in its final yep. moments uh it's yeah I, I could go on about yeah. this movie forever but I, I i've tried i don't want to take up all the conversation <laughs> i guess picking back on what you were saying i really like the fact that like there is an evolution in the characters but at no point does it do like the typical like hollywood white thing of being like moses like walking up to sam and being like you know what everything that i did was wrong and i'm really it's all like really implicit um which i really appreciated because it'd be super easy to you know make everything really explicit and uh make the audience aware that you know moses doing those things and the rest of the kids doing those things at the beginning was wrong uh because like that doesn't happen in real life there's no like perfect let's hug this out let's have a conversation on the stuff that happened earlier uh in this really like sanitized way it's very just more implicit there was that the moment where that comes together is uh the moment where moses gives sam back the ring uh which is like the perfect way to illustrate that more than like it's probably the best thing they could have done to resolve that whole thing in my opinion uh yeah i think to me it comes down to the fact that a uh, lot most most story arcs especially in mainstream movies are about a character makes a decision it is not a great decision eventually they get to the end of the movie and they make a good decision like that is mm-hmm. uh 101 screenwriting uh of genre movies um but uh a thing that is often mistaken which this movie doesn't do is the idea that there must be a, an apology or right a dismissal of the earlier action as incorrect um right i feel like this movie although it like shows moses's growth and then shows how at the start of the movie uh he commits this 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 crime and presents it as like a harmful thing i don't think it argues it's bad i don't think it argues that moses mm. is wrong for that it places him in uh this this block and the like uh this very uh masculine environment in which this kid is forced into this life and like at no point even though moses right. is shown to change and grow over the movie it never condemns his original position uh mm-hmm. because the movie is way too smart to do that right yeah you're right um there is that moment where uh this isn't like this isn't like the movie condoning its actions but the moment where they're in the girl's apartment and uh sam talks about how she was mugged by moses and like whoever i don't know the character's name but uh whoever was like sitting with moses just like really you you know you mugged her with a knife and why is it always have to be people getting hurt uh, with you and stuff like that uh but i would i'd probably just say it's more uh about like you know the structures that led these people here more than moses did the bad thing yeah alan you go i think the thing that i like the most about the message of this film that i found to be really positive is like on one hand you have this whole moses's flaw at the beginning is that he buys into the masculinity of living in the block and feeling like he needs to present as the tough guy that can beat up the alien and be really cool and that Mm. is his like hmm 
But that is that is the mistake that he realizes. Like, no, it's not that bad that I did that. I just need to accept that responsibility. And by you know being able to like burn down his apartment and blow up his apartment, he can be like this stuff that I've held on to, like this dumb masculinity garbage. Like, I don't need this anymore, and I can accept that I did that, and that was a part of me, and I'm gonna move on. I, don't I know you know... disagree with me. I don't know if yeah I really do because I don't think the movie is condemning the um I don't think the movie condemns the masculine uh, values of uh, the life in the block because uh, that would like <laughs> that like that, that read is kind of uncomfortable to me because it feels like it is uh, that would be a more paternalistic like these kids are wrong and they've been taught these wrong things in this like crime environment and that's like a, the thing that you can often get in narratives uh, especially about um you know uh young black characters in uh poor environments that like deal with uh crime the like those themes can be really really uncomfortable um but i like that this movie doesn't actually condemn the values of that culture that he grows up in but instead presents them as like their own reality like the movie is very clear about saying that the values of uh shit what's her name uh, the the the, Mary? the the main la- the main girl is it Mary Sam Sam the values of Sam Mary yeah sorry the values of Sam and like the old lady and like the more the socially more um, uh, acceptable on a national standard just because of you know uh, white people uh, those values are no less valid than the values of the block and it is in the fact that those people's failure to recognize that this is a place that is different from them and they can't project on like their values onto it and i love that the movie is explicit about that it is a celebration of life in the block not a condemnation and escape of it it doesn't moses never uh become moses never learns that his way in the block was wrong uh he saves the block and he and everyone in the block cheers for him yeah I think the part where I agree with you, but the thing that I re- that I'm trying to more get at is that. So Joe Cornish, what I read about this film is that this the script was partly inspired by the fact that he was himself mugged in a similar environment by a similar group of kids uh, when he was younger, and he like saw the looks in their eyes and realized like, oh my god, they're just as scared right now as I am. Like they're just people, and to sort of like want to explore the lives of these kids and the character for me to get away from Moses for a bit that I thought like that resonated with me the most was, and I can't remember any of the other kids names cause they all, um, I don't remember names very well, but the one who is constantly like calling his mom to be like, I'm going to be home in like an hour. And like, I know I said 10 o'clock and like, I promise I'll be back. And then at one point before they go off to fight, he says, no, just 10 minutes. Like I'll be right back. Like this commitment to like, I'm still a, t- a teen. Like I'm still, you know, beholden to my parents' rules, and I still like they have that whole that montage of all the kids going to their houses, and one of them's like, yeah. The dad says, you know, you need to take your dog out, and he he does it, even though they're going to fight like world destroying aliens. He's like, well, my dad still said to take the dog out. Like this commitment to them being kids and not precocious, like we're sixteen but we act like we're thirty kind of thing. Um, uh, it's, it's really genuine to me. It's really honest to uh, like its portrayal of life in. Uh, London, uh, but in a more uh, working class area uh, and uh, area with mostly people of color. Um, like I've, I've, you know, I've hang out in Croydon a lot, which is a very similar area. Uh, 
and it's it's very it's yeah the like the language like i i understood every single word that was said in this movie perfectly and the the idea that it would need subtitles to to american audiences which is the thing that was genuinely considered by marketers uh is like so strange to me because like yeah uh there are like a couple of lines that feel dishonest um but for the most part it's in like the incredibly good at capturing this uh place and time and and space which is you know uh, south london in the late 2000s mm-hmm. moments like i want to go home and sit in my room and play fifa or like the person's in the trash and they're talking about running out of minutes on their phone and credits like all these little moments. oh that was so the, good like, yeah no one of the most popular lines going around my school when it uh, came out was this is too much madness to explain in one text because it yeah. is like <laughs> like of course like that is a thing that would happen. It's it's too much madness. How are you gonna explain that in one text? Come on. <laughs> the part where uh, he's calling uh, the group of the group of girls on the phone and just trying to explain this alien invasion, and then they just hang up. And he's like, I don't really have enough good. to make another call. Like, oh god, that's so funny to me because like we don't even like texting is not. It's an unlimited sort of situation. Like you kind of it's, the payment system works differently here, but I know of how like this whole credits thing works and just like it adds a weird tension to that character's like whole story that they're like i don't even have a communication tool i'm stuck in this box (laughs) and then uh in a beautiful one of my favorite scenes they're saved by the two kids uh mayhem and what's the other one probs probs and mayhem and then there's that line where they they like throw the 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 i believe it's like a firecracker and they destroy the alien and then he says like but, or before that, he says, what if it kills us? And the other one's like, no one's going to keep calling you mayhem if you keep acting like a pussy. Which is like, a, it's like, ah, oh, it, it, like li- it hurts a little to say it. But like, that's a thing that an eight-year-old would say to feel cool. Because those two characters' whole arc is that they're like, they want to really seem really cool. And it's like, yeah. oh, they're going to grow up someday and feel shitty. But like, that's very genuine still. <laughs> there are shitty kids that would say that. But like, oh, it's so painfully real. Even as someone who didn't live in that environment, like I know what it was like to be eight or in the other cases, like 15 and just want to feel tough and want to feel like I am, you know, I'm a hero kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, the little details in its world are really uh, nice because you spoke about that, uh, uh, that montage and it is definitely a case of like the way they illustrate the block as a place, uh, as a representation of a specific uh, you know, uh, actual real place that exists, uh, not as a single block, but you know, as like an area of London and a, and a uh, just like a, a, a culture uh, due to its place is um uh, like it's so they do it so quickly, like like you said, moments like the dog and the the guy, uh, the way he reacts to his mama mother telling him like uh, ten minutes, ten minutes is all, and just it, the the way in which it feels so real as people who interact with each other so quickly like it's so hard in screenwriting to get two lines that make you understand i know that person i know that person i i, I get right. this place whereas uh here the economy of uh like the, the amount of time it takes to tell its story like this movie's like 86 minutes including credits yeah yeah incredibly tight uh it's super tight and it gets all of that stuff done so well i'm just gonna gush about it forever i'm sorry i'm sorry Do you have a favorite scene I, it's I got like the, the i mean the ending yeah that's fair uh because yeah. uh, it's the culmination of everything the movie's been uh working towards but if it's like funniest it's probably the one when they get to the the girls 
apartment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say. Yep. So many good... (laughs) Everything about that scene is hilarious. She comes at them with a guitar. uh, (laughs) And then she says that the aliens are dogs. And the kid's like, why don't you feed them fucking pedigree? (laughs) Yeah. Line is delivered so fast and with so much confidence. Oh, this has this has nothing to do with gangs or drugs or violence in video games. Like, yeah, yeah, all of that. <laughs> everything about that scene. I also really love uh, the scene in the hi hats where they're uh, driving back to that apartment, and he has his own like shitty rap song blasting in the background, and he turns it up and starts rapping along. And the two to of it. the one of the men in the back are like, "Oh God, what are we in? What is the situation?" Like. I love that character is disturbing to me. I just I I always I'm starting to find the like really tough but like seemingly intimidating drug character in films like this to be a little bit of a like a trope that I'm a little tired of. But I think Hi Hat, the fact that he survives the elevator attack adds a lot because he he goes from like oh he's gonna die comically but he survives and he comes out of it way more like fucked up and just is in a bad situation and then doesn't he die later like a little bit yeah later? there's this there's the scene where yeah. he sees ever all the aliens around him right which is a beautiful yeah. oh my god one of the best shots of the film when all of the eyes of the monster of the aliens are behind him and he turns around and oh that's the, that's uh, the good stuff in terms of visuals i think this movie is like uh fantastic in the way that it is really cheap but its visual effects are better than anyone that actually yeah. spends money because it knows hey we we can't just pay money to get this stuff so we're gonna uh put some dudes in a suit and then just rotoscope them with black ink and that's all the effect is it's just they painted black over some fursuits and it's fantastic like it's so good uh they move like they're there but they're not there and then when it all culminates in that final slow motion chase down um the block to yeah. uh moses's kitchen like the the way movement presents itself uh in those scenes it's so good yeah i really love the design of the aliens and just like the glowy mouths it was really like very simple but effective and just cool looking i i i like that they yeah they used a little to convey a lot with especially with the aliens like even the sound that happens when they're around is like yeah. a very clearly a stock sound that i've heard elsewhere but like with a little more reverb on it and it just it like makes them seem very ethereal but also beastly and you're like wow and that's just a sound effect that they found um probably somewhere for cheap like this movie uses it uses its budget incredibly well um i really want to pay lip service to the best line in this whole movie which is from moses uh, ryan tweeted this one at me is this verbatim ryan the version that you sent me um no i don't i wish i could find a exact version of it but basically there's a moment that like so i talked at the beginning about how I feel like the symbolism about race and class in this movie uh, is pretty easy to pick up on. And in case that was ever unclear, there's just like Moses has a line towards the end where he basically says, like, the government probably bred those things to kill black boys. We're not killing each other fast enough. So they decided to speed up the process. You're like, that's it. They did it. They know what this is about. And it's like the saddest. It's like it hurts because they never deny that fact they never say like no they're aliens from the sky like this could that could still possibly be true in the weird fucked up universe of this movie of this like systematic oppression um and just like the the fact that that is always in the back of the minds of people of, of like disadvantaged populations it's like maybe everything is working against me and it probably is is like really powerful for a movie that's also about teens fighting aliens 
Uh, what yeah. would I, I think? I felt like the best thing about that moment is that it's not built up as a like reveal. It's the line afterwards because he's like, ah, uh, you know. I think the line is, "We're not killing each other fast enough," so they decide to speed up the process. And then Pest is like with his weed, and he goes like, "Yeah, believe," and yeah, everyone yeah. just bursts out laughing. And <laughs> it's this, such an honest moment of the way that uh, you turn. Uh, like truths of the world you are in into jokes without even doing it uh, like the mm-hmm. way in which these characters are completely fully aware of the unfairness and bullshit and like of the world around them but the the way it shows the coping mechanism through just living and your very existence being a resistance to that uh, idea, yeah, uh, which culminates in the ending of them just like smiling in the in the truck. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's uh, it's really good. Uh, I just want to I want to give lip service to one of my other favorite lines uh, when oh uh, what I don't actually know the name of the like not not Nick Frost's character but the guy who hangs around him, Briss. Um, Yes. Yeah, that's who we were talking about earlier. Oh yeah, when yeah, uh, when <laughs> when he gets on the elevator with everyone else, and no, no, it is no, I'm misremembering. It's I'm mis- sorry. Is it the bit before he gets on where he plays? His- it's the bit where they're explaining Ron's weed room. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, and he's explaining what it is. It's like the weed room that belongs to Ron. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, it's Ron's weed room. Really it's the weed room that belongs to Ron. Yeah, it's a good little yeah. good little moment uh i also just love and i've talked about this line but just like the i don't know why i like it so much but john boyega telling the younger kids like go to your room lock your doors watch naruto go to sleep like something about the way he delivers it and i you know i is it accurate that what i've read somewhere that like this is the film that uh, abrams watched and it was like we should get boyega in here for star wars uh, like I mean, I don't. I've not talked to my close and personal friend JJ uh, Abrams very recently, but I would assume so because if this isn't the best, like it, this is up. Uh, this is, might be too high praise. I don't know. Uh, I don't think it's as like this person is a movie star as say from Dust Till Dawn is with um, George Clooney, which is the like the, my go-to movie of. I saw you see that movie, and, and even though it's an independent movie, you look at George Clooney and you're like fucking movie star right now. But this is totally. John Boyega's equivalent. Uh, yeah, he steals the show. That's the, it's part of the fact that I like have trouble remembering the other characters' names. I like all of them; they're all interesting. But like Moses steals the show a hundred percent. Choose scenery without even having to speak that much. Like he doesn't actually get that many lines, but every time he does speak, it's like very like it holds a lot of weight. The fact that everyone else respects him and the fact that like he delivers it in a way that's very like honest, like we've been mentioning, and like just he carries so much of this film, and it's impressive to say the least. Yep. That's good. Any anything else? Or are we are, That's hey. Are we done? You're, are you gonna steal on podcast from me? Am I hosting? Am I hosting now? Have I started hosting by accident? I, I think you have started hosting by accident. I okay. Um you can ask anything else. Is there anything else? Uh no. Nope. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> good show. Uh, I feel like, yeah. I feel like we covered a lot there. Let's move on to some housekeeping. Uh, I want to thank the people who shared the last episode, uh, Brenna, Destiny, and Slowbird. Thanks so much for retweeting the last episode. 
Uh, you can send in questions and comments at firesidefriendspodcast at gmail.com. That's a question. We got a tweet. Should we read the tweet? Yeah. Okay, hold on. Let me pull up the tweet. It's only five words. But it's, what a powerful five well, words. I need to phrase it correctly. I have. The, I can, hold on. I've got it. Go ahead. It's from Dylan uh, at uh, mm-hmm. Dilash on Twitter. It is. What is the best fish? Now, this can be cinematically, this can be in life, this can be in video games, this can be in whatever. Like, what is... Tell me, my friends, of the fishes that you've enjoyed in media and in out, outside of media. You've, God, I don't know. I can't think of any Nemo. Is that... <laughs> I like Nemo. Nemo's okay, I guess. Yep, Nemo's okay. <laughs> I can't believe Alan, they didn't call. Do you have? They didn't call the, have new, a, the new movie Nemo's Okay. Nemo's Okay, yeah. Best. <laughs> I just got it. Thank you. Oh my god! It took you a second. Uh, best fish is bouncing around the room. Thank you very much. What? It's the song by the band Fish. Thank you very much. Oh. oh. Okay. Oh. But it's different <laughs> spelling. It's not the same thing. <clears throat> oh, you want like the best actual fish? Yeah. Oh, well then the the trouble fish from Shovel Knight. There you go. It dances around and then spits out ichor. I don't know. Dylan, why did you ask this question? <laughs> Thank you though. I appreciate it. Jackson, do you have a best fish? Ooh, I don't know. Oh yeah. Uh, putting you on the spot i fuck i i did actually have time to think about this but i didn't think about this i'm so sorry dylan uh what is the best fish who knows i don't know magikarp that's not true um that's five hundred dollars not worth it Nah. one of them (laughs) tuna i really like tuna i have it with my pasta it's great i'm more of a i like salmon a lot i love salmon get the skin on the salmon and cook that up on its own oh i I had some fish and chips yesterday i had some cod Uh, i wasn't very good though because i I usually get a takeaway from the shop and i had i had it in the shop and the, the vinegar pouring methods were weird and when you have takeaway places in their restaurant in their restaurant place um that they, they everything's way too hot because they cook it to last in the, the last several hours yeah and i'm just saying i'm just saying it's too hot and the chips haven't done the thing yet it's not just take it away put it in the paper bag and eat your fish and chips when you go to brighton very specific local advice here from all of our brighton listeners they're like <laughs> finally <laughs> harry ramsden's that's where you want to go you want to get your fish from harry ramsden's fish shop it's good thank you so you can send in quality questions like those at firesidefriendspodcast at gmail.com you can follow and rate us on itunes stitcher and google play and you can follow us on twitter at podcast fireside jackson where can people find you on the internet i am at headfallsoff on twitter and if you want to find any of my uh, projects go to headfallsoff.com I'm also on abnormalmapping.com, trashpastoratio.com, goof.zone, but those aren't, uh, those update regularly, uh, you know, irregularly, I should say. So just follow me on Twitter Mm -hmm. and you'll find out whatever I'm doing. Alan. You can find me at twitter.com slash Alan Ibrahim, spelled A-L-L-E-N-I-B-R-A-H-I-M. 
and all of my stuff is there. I have a piece going up soon about college. Um, it's very rough right now. Maybe it'll be rough when it goes up, but I'll have it posted there, and then you can read it and tell me. College is rough. Yeah, God, that college did is it. rough. I was gonna. I was like, hmm, do I? No, it's fine. And then you <laughs> I mean, you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, so you can check that out there. Ryan, you can you can find me on Twitter at Taco Detective. I have a blog that's TacoDetective.com. Uh, I write sometimes for It's Mix. Actually, It's Mix.LGBT. Uh, there might be something I'm working on over there that you might. If, you'll know there's something happening. You'll know it when you see it, especially if you follow me on Twitter. Uh, it's the podcast. So yeah. I know it's the podcast. They've tweeted about the podcast. It's a podcast. Like, what are you... <laughs> it's not a secret. It's not a secret. <laughs> but if I pretend that it's a secret, more people might care about it. So, okay. You should beep it out so people get excited. Like, what could it be? It's a bl- <laughs> it's a it's beep. A- I know that it's a beep. I can't wait to listen. I can't wait to listen and subscribe to your beep. <laughs> Perfect. All right. I think that's a podcast. Come on, you got to give you. a stronger ending than that. I was gonna do my outro. You're gonna ruin my outro. All right. <laughs> you can do it, Ryan. I believe in you. Believe in the heart Thank of you the cards. for listening. <laughs> Fuck. God damn it. <clears throat> Thank you, everybody, for listening. Good luck out there. I can't, and now I just sound discouraged. We're <laughs> <laughs> right there. The, end, the finish line is like less than 20 right. meters away. We can crawl. I How can touch it. That? All right. This is the podcast. This is the end of the podcast. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. Good luck out there. And don't forget to take care of yourself. See ya. We do a clap test to make it not fast, but easy to... Well, you should.